Welcome back to Death Watch's Call of Cthulhu Campaign Season 2, Descent into Darkness. I'm Travis, I'll be your keeper tonight. And today, our scene opens on the 1040 to Bolton, Massachusetts, where Johann Mueller sits in one of the chairs, across from a man who has just seated himself a moment before the train is scheduled to depart. So this guy, I described him as wearing a hat with a broad brim. It's It looks like a fedora, except the brim is a little broader than the fedoras generally are. And it seems to be made of a, more of like a... Is that Panama, I believe? Yeah, right. And the material's um, not as stiff. It's almost like a cloth material. But yeah, he's a, a thin-looking fellow with those sort of hollow cheeks and prominent cheekbones with a long nose and a, a dour turn to his mouth. And... Uh, Eyes a, a very light shade of blue, a blue that's they're kind of unsettling because they make the the black of the irises sort of stand out. Um, but he's sitting across from you and and sort of staring at you plainly. And he says, "Good day, sir. How are you doing?" Um, let's see. I'll uh, I'll kind of put my pipe between my uh, teeth and I'll start reaching in my coat like I'm looking for a uh, a lighter. What are you actually looking for? My forty-five, <laughs> um, and I'll be like, uh, "I'm doing fine, young man. And how are you doing today?" I'm doing well. I must confess, uh, you seem to be familiar to me. I believe that was what you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. Last time, yeah. Yeah. But I cannot place uh, where I have known you from. Yeah, the phenomenon's kind of like, you know, when you meet a person who looks like somebody else you've known in the past but you haven't quite figured out who they look like that you knew in the past is that a, have you ever experienced that mm-hmm. yeah so it's kind of like that but anyhow sorry what, what did you say again yeah but i'm afraid i don't know where it is i know you from well uh i uh live in boston hmm. maybe you've seen me around are you traveling for business or pleasure i'll uh move my hand forward and grab my lighter and uh <laughs> Begin lighting my pipe. Business and pleasure are much the same, young man. I'll say between puffs. <laughs> this train terminates in Bolton. Is that where you're going or somewhere further afield? I'm going to Bolton, right? Uh, Bolton's uh, basically where you're going to get off. Get off, get on another train that goes to Arkham. Mm. So you can go to Miskatonic. Ah, uh, no. I have plans to continue on down the line. On a different line. That's good. That's good. I hear one can catch a train all the way up to Maine, if one desires. One of your advanced age might enjoy Maine. I hear that the area around Moosehead Lake is particularly green, a verdant green, one might describe it. Is that where you're traveling to? Unfortunately not, I'll Begin putting my lighter back in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, the waters of Moosehead Lake are this wonderful shade of cerulean blue. Go ahead and make a power roll for me. Okay. Uh, oh, where am I? Where are you, Johan? Well, that's good that you can find Johan. There he is. I couldn't find my NPC. Power. So, yeah, this is an opposed roll. Did it not roll? Mm-hmm. There it is. Oh, dang. 
Am I going all the way to Maine? <laughs> yeah, so um, you find yourself... Uh, can, can you push power rolls? You can't push an opposed roll, but you could spend luck. I don't get that much. Yeah, you'd have to spend it down to a critical, in fact. Okay, yeah, I don't get that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this notion of traveling to Maine uh, just settles into your mind, and uh, you just listen to this guy talk, and he keeps using these words with adjectives for the colors of the area up there, and, and that kind of has like a hypnotic effect, and then next thing, we'll close the scene there for now. Okay. All right, Dr. Wallace Andrews, you're leaving the central records. Right. And you had established that you're going to meet with Mr. Monroe at O'Lafferty's Cafe. Yeah. Go ahead and give me a spot hidden roll as you leave. <laughs> wow, we're rolling good tonight. Let me use, can I luck that? Yeah. You got a good spot hidden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He needs it for finding all them uh, sicknesses and whatnot inside someone. I just So then I just subtract that amount. Yeah, the five. I'm envious of the amount of luck that he has. I know. <laughs> I've gotten three game sessions worth of increases, and I still could barely afford 15. Okay, so the route to O'Lafferty's means that you head out in the, the street, and then you hop onto a trolley, and you ride the trolley to another neighborhood where O'Lafferty's would be, and then you'd meet Mr. Monroe. But as you're leaving the central records, you you see two men who are kind of, you know, resting up against the wall there, suddenly start moving as you get to the street and you look over your shoulder. You know, they perk up and start following you. And they are uh, less than incognito, both in the way they look, you know, because they don't look like they're wearing the attire of, you know, the people going about their business here in downtown Boston. You know, they have more of a working class look or a low class look, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they uh, start following you. Okay, so what um, is is it like busy out here? Is there a lot of people? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it's you know the hour before noon. So. All right, and uh, how far away is like would I have to get a taxi to get to a Lafferty? You could do that, or can uh, I walk it? You can walk it. It'll take a little bit longer. Like the quickest way would be just you know they have the trolleys that go down the center of the road. Mm-hmm. It's just to hop onto one of those, take it a few blocks, get off and walk the rest of the way. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'll do then. Um, I'll just keep an eye on them from time to time. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the trolleys do make stops every now and then, but a lot of people will just run up alongside of it and, and hop on. So that's what you're able to do as you, uh, you know, you get you grab one of the bars on the side of it and pull yourself up these steps come in the center where there's places you can stand, like in a modern subway, but also places you can sit. And you kind of get in with the crowd there. And the two guys that were apparently following you do the same thing, although they kind of hang back. And at this stage, they're they're looking at you openly as well. And one of them smiles at you. Oh, okay. So you have a shorter, scrawnier guy, and then you have a, a rather average-looking dude. But give me uh, another spot hit. We'll make this a hard. Do um do I recognize either of them? No, not with your background. Wow, well, that's a problem. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't want you to see things. Yeah, <laughs> you can't push on the criticals, huh? On a fumble, yeah. Yeah, fumble. Mm. I lose them. <laughs> where, are the, 
They were just right there. It's like that one episode of X-Files where the guy yeah, hides in your blind spot. Yeah, blue, yeah. You think they could possibly be a, uh, a courier? They could be They, they probably have a message or like a telegram for oh, you. Oh, courier, okay. Yeah, yeah that's why they're, they're following you. Because he's smiling at you and you miss the unfriendliness to the smile, right? So it looks like a friendly smile to you. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll just wonder why they didn't say something and I'll like sort of shoulder my way through the trolley to get to them. They kind of look surprised at you approaching them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'll just get up to him and I'll say, I saw you gentlemen looking at me. Did you have a message for me? Yeah. They're, they're kind of shocked for a moment. And one of them's like, put my hand out, you know, to, you know, shake. (laughs) Repeat of Newell. Sorry. If I'd known you were trying to, uh, catch up with me i wouldn't have hopped on the trolley i'm not in that much of a hurry <laughs> yeah so you see this uh this momentary they're you know usually people bolt or something you know they got to do a little bit of running but they're like uh the shorter ones like uh, yeah yeah we're looking for you got a message for you you're mr andrews uh yes dr andrews pleased to meet you mr uh he introduces himself as mr doyle mr doyle yeah, we got a message for you, but we can't talk about it here. You want to hop off? You know, we can just talk right over there by that newspaper stand. That'd work perfect. By that suspicious alleyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, pertinent to what you're looking into. Oh, okay. And how how is it you know what I'm looking into? We heard. You've been asking a lot of questions. Yeah, I see. So um, what what do I think about that? I'd say now you have every right to be suspicious. All right. So, um, like, at this point, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Now, how do they know about what I'm looking into, right? This is what you're thinking? Yeah. Um. All right. So, they're pointing at a newspaper stand, and what, what does it look like around that area? So, there's not a lot of foot traffic there, and the guy who's operating the stand is, like, impossibly old. Oh, okay. Barely living. All right. So might be a mythos entity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'll say uh no. I think we'll carry on the trolley. Um Yeah, it's pretty important you get this message. We're we, not exactly asking here. And he hooks his thumb over at his partner who's pulled some brass knuckles out from his jacket. This reinforces my idea that He's actually a noir detective, old Dr. Wallace. He's got to get beat up to to finish that. All right. So I guess I'll try to persuade him to. uh, Okay. So the one one thing I forgot about persuade that I continue to forget is it takes some time. Well, we can still do it, but it just means you'll have to go along with what they want for a little while. And you'll get your role after some time of talking with them. Okay. Uh, but what is the goal you're trying to persuade, persuade that, say, the questions you're asking are, are actually innocent? Yeah. So, like, um, like now that I understand, like, it all falls together. Like, I've been, I was hassling that doctor and being a little forceful with him. So, I can sort of link this and uh, that, you know, these, these kind of guys have been sent to get me to stop asking questions. So, um so what I'd want to do is persuade them that um, that I don't that the reason I'm asking questions is not what 
like any anything they might think it is. That okay. It's totally something related to the medical field, like questions about, you know. You don't know anything. Medical going on. procedures yeah. and, and reports and nothing to do with any sort of, you know. Okay. Yeah. Um, they will listen to you. And so you can go ahead and give me that roll. Wait. <laughs> Wait, actually. Can I change my mind? I, yeah. I want to persuade them that they should actually work for me. Can I Can I do persuade and like, is there a way to add with credit rating? Like I have a high credit rating. So is there a way I could say instead of you. Just smack them with a wad. You know, <laughs> what if I were to pay you um, to not rough me up? Yeah. And tell me who asked you to rough me up? Yeah, you can def. Nothing is impossible. You just know that would make uh, the chances of a successful outcome more unlikely. So it'd be more difficult. So I would say uh, to get them to work for you would require an extreme success. So it'd be really difficult. Oh, okay. Uh, to bribe them off would uh, well, it can't get any easier than what it's at. So it would give you a bonus die if you wanted to go with your original thing plus a bribe if that yeah. makes sense yeah we'll do that okay go with the original idea try to persuade them but you could also do the bribe plus the work for me with a bonus die but still at an extreme success no i'll just i'll go with the first okay all right yeah go ahead and uh nice uh don't forget your bonus die you might actually be better at that than... good, good. so you got a 15 or, or 18. 18 yeah yeah that's a lot better that is an extremist, or is that? All right, so yeah, you succeeded. So you achieved your goal of saying that you're you're innocent, like your your questions are innocent in yeah. nature. You know, you just you publish for a journal. You just wanted details on the autopsy processes, you know, and you were just looking at the most recent autopsies in the last year, right? Particularly having to do with murders and and uh, you know what this. I really don't mean any harm. You know, I can see this causes you guys some distress. Here's some money, all that sort of stuff, however you go about it. Yeah. And, and they are, look pretty pleased to accept your money. And they're like, well, we're, I'm glad you, you understand how things work in Boston. That's good. That's good. Are you from around here? Um, no. <laughs> Montana. That's good. That's even better. When are you going back? Uh, very soon. As soon as I've gathered, uh, as soon as I finish my, this, uh, article for the medical journal of medical questions <laughs> <Stuff>. and answer <laughs> <laughs> medical journal of medical questions yeah. and answers let yeah. me write that down <laughs> it's gonna go into the boston tour code <laughs> okay so uh yeah uh he's like hey we're sorry for the trouble we didn't mean to cause any alarm uh let's just not have your name come up again all right can we make that agreement yes you absolutely. have a nice day you too thank you and Good they both you, gentlemen. hop off the trolley with one backwards glance. All right, so jumping over to Monroe and Whitmire, um, were you, if I remember right, at least Monroe, you were planning a quick jaunt to the Hermetic Order of Silver Twilight before you went on to meet? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had been, after hearing that Mueller was heading to Arkham, we were going to try to go to Arkham, but then, yeah, Whitmire reminded me that we have dinner and we wouldn't make it back in time, so instead I'll spend today investigating at the Silver Order. Okay. And what... Uh, so, yeah, you, you arrived there. Um, 
you'd have like maybe an hour there before you are due to meet um, Andrews for lunch for this at O'Lafferty's Cafe. Okay. And uh, you are greeted by one of the attendants and they offer to take your jacket and hat and all that sort of stuff. And are you heading straight up to the library? Yeah. Yeah. Well, as you pass through the foyer there, you see Dr. Edward call like just coming out and his eyes light up when he sees you. And he's like, uh, Mr. Monroe, I, I dare say, have you seen uh, the good Dr. Andrews? Um, no, I'm afraid I haven't seen him recently. We were due to meet for lunch here in a little bit of time. But in the meantime, I was going to take the opportunity to peruse the library a little bit. Oh, that's, that's all good. I had some uh, clippings that I think he would find most fascinating uh, in, in strange matters, flying cows and the like. Uh, could you pass them on to him? I think he'd like to read them. Most certainly. Is there any message you'd like me to send along with it? Yes, yes. Tell him I am ready to go on an, an investigation and he can reach me here. I'll be here from 12 to 6 and then I'm going to come back to the Hermetic Order Lodge where he can reach me there. I'll be here till about midnight and then I'll be home again. That would be a great help. <laughs> Completely not grieving my <laughs> my wife. <clears throat> Having a good jolly time. <laughs> but yeah, he, he it's just a uh, an envelope where you can fill. It has a few clippings in it. And I'll say, well, you know, my interest tends to lead in these directions as well. Do you mind if I peruse those articles? As well, or are they specifically to Doctor? Oh no, no, go go right ahead. I think uh, as you are also a member of the SEU, yes, yes. yeah, you'll find them fascinating. They're from a uh, a rag, pardon the parlance, of called the typo. And this author, he writes all kinds of things. He's been doing it for some twenty years. I think you'll find them quite illuminating. I believe everything he says. I dare say he's something of a, a seer. I think. A seer. Predicted the the molasses flood last year. Hmm. Someone that I may have to get to know then. <laughs> I appreciate your your uh, interest in this and sharing it with us. Yep. And when you guys are hot on the trail, remember Dr. Edward Call. Most certainly will, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Call him up and have him tank some uh, sanity loss. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doctor, we have a room we need you to walk into doctor we have a book we need you to open <laughs> tell us and the effects of this <laughs> and good sir if, if you truly do have an interest in these things you must come and and see me at my museum i have some many uh, artifacts that you might find to your interest you have a museum yes and i've, I've probably got some sort of like flyers or something like that that i keep on my person <laughs> So, so yeah, I'll pull one out and I'll I'll hand it to him. Hey, what was the name? What'd you settle on? Um, the New England Museum of the Occult. Okay, just uh, like fascinating. I didn't know this was in Boston. Yeah, uh, many people don't, which is why I try and advertise it every chance I get. Are you open now? I believe that we are. I really have nothing to do. I was, I was just going home to break up the scenery, so I'll pop over there and I'll let you know what I think of your collection straight away. Are you going to be here long? Well, actually, if you have uh, if you have literally nothing to do, would you have an opportunity to perhaps point me in the direction in the library of a few certain tomes? There's a subject I've I've recently come across that has fascinated me. Well, I, I'm not much of a library man. I 
but I guess I could try to help. Yes, I do have nothing to do. <laughs> I dare say. Thought you were going to offer to give him a tour. <laughs> <laughs> this could be pretty interesting. Yes, let's go up and, and look, read these clippings. I'm particularly interested to see what Dr. Andrews thinks about them. Is Bat right. Boy amongst the clippings? What? Bat Boy. <laughs> he was on the loose last I right. saw. So yeah, I'll I'll open it up and I'll kind of thumb through them as as we're walking and you know I'll, I'll at the same time I'll be absentmindedly talking at my museum and all right so I'll share the first one with you and this is a pretty old one this is like from the from 1900 about the year 1900 so the title is Beantown Corruption Alliance by Gary Riggs. Today, the baptism of Congressman William Murrow's son was performed. In attendance, Francis Walsh, the Charleston crime lord, who was even named godfather to little William Murrow Jr. What is a criminal doing at a holy ceremony with a public servant? Also in attendance was Councilman Ellsworth, along with many decorated police officers and who knows what else. Here we see the true corrupt power center of Boston. These cronies of capitalism rubbing shoulders and shaking hands. Yet even these men are victims of the evolved reptile men who live in caves beneath the earth, who secretly have designed to supplant humanity and terraform our dear earth to be more hospitable to their biological needs. Am I speaking now in metaphor or in the literal truth? If you can't handle the truth, then by all means, assume I am speaking metaphorically. But one day, the truth will be revealed. Here I am, a free spirit, a divine wild being wishing to make love to all that lives in a mad erotic paradise. And all around me, that paradise is denied by fools who think it evil or dangerous. If the entire natural universe is vibrantly alive, then no being in it should be chained or fenced in. The realization of this is anarchy. It is the end of every attempt to order the world, and so opens up every possibility. Anarchism is as much to do with anarchy as biology has to do with the joy of living. Anarchism is the attempt to create a new order, not to supersede order. Its goal is self-rule, not no rule. Oh, sorry, I forgot to ask Whitmire if you were tagging along with Monroe, because I know what you planned to do was uh, nighttime operations. Uh, no, I wasn't okay. going right. to crash their lunch. So that's, uh, that's one. So here's your next one. Headline, The Specter of the Wilbur Theater by Gary Riggs. The Wilbur Theater is perhaps the handsomest of any Boston playhouse, but don't let the veneer fool you. A specter has been sighted in attendance, most often during Shakespearean recreations. Attendees who have seen the specter say that it walks from behind the stage and sits in the owner box. It is, this is this truly the spirit of some deceased patron? or really the soul of a man crushed by the capitalistic trappings of modern society. Many of us know in the depth of our being that civilization is death. We know that if we are to fully live, we must be free of it. It is a dance of death, and we crave a dance of life. It is entirely possible that the shackles of society are strong enough to chain our immortal souls as they do the specter of Wilbur Theater. I shudder at the thought. <laughs> and we'll do one more. Headline. Flying Cow Phenomenon Solved by Gary Riggs. Many of you have read the preposterous reporting of flying cows in rural Massachusetts. As men of science, and women too, yes, 
We cannot allow our minds to be taken by foolish fancies or dulled by the capitalistic sedation of the mind. Buy now, think later, they say. But we say, nay. We stand with hands interlocked singing the joyous songs of freedom from the shackles of satanic government and the production lines of baubles that have no meaning. I report to you now, an extraordinary on extraordinary authority, that the flying cow sighting in the moonlit sky all around New England are none other than beings from another planet, perhaps even Planet X. They travel here to harvest minerals necessary for their survival, not to make knickknacks that fill endless shopping mart shelves and endless vacant mines. They are in harmony with the cosmic spaces in the natural world, and some say they breed freely with each other, having no understanding of unnecessary mating rituals. To them I say, welcome, my home is a place of love, but beware the almighty dollar, also known as the almighty caller. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this guy, is, uh, as you're glancing through those, he's kind of like, Rocking on his toes, like waiting for you to react, basically. <laughs> so I'll I'll respond in kind of a diplomatic fashion. I'll say these are some very interesting articles that we have here. Although there seems to be not quite as much about the occult as I'm I'm used to seeing in these. Uh, some of the general ideas are, of course, invoking of of serious thought. Well, it's because the occult is fiction, and right. this is not. <laughs> yes, that's, you see Mr. Riggs there. He claims to be a, a scientist. Yeah. He even, he even impels us to be scientists, too. Yes, yes. But the occult itself has grounds in science. I mean, it was the science before science existed, and so that is where, where the occult has you know, relevance in, the, in these days as well. I dare say an explanation will be required, Mr. Monroe. I thought the occult and the sciences were very separate. Ah, quite to the contrary. Before we understood what science was, the occult, the, the mystical nature of, of nature itself, was harnessed through rituals of the occult. Chewing up plants and putting them on wounds and invoking the spirits, where now we see antibiotics and, <laughs> and astringents. Oh, yes, quite right. Quite right. Ah, here we are, the library. What uh, what are we looking for again? Well, perhaps you've you've heard of um, this cult of the starry wisdom. I, I recently stumbled across an article that mentioned them, and and it piqued my curiosity uh, with it being, you know, a, a cult that has been fairly recent. And in the New England area, I felt that if I could find some information on it, that it would make a good addition to my museum. Oh, well, nothing comes to mind about that cult. I uh, I do have 15 years worth of editions of the typo. I can glean through the pages and see if he mentioned them at all. Ah, that would be most useful. I appreciate your, your fervor in this matter. Well, yes, nothing secret ex escapes Mr. Riggs. Ah, I can see that you're, you're quite an astute studier. All right, Mr. Monroe, what else were you hoping to capture here or investigate here? Um, I was kind of hoping to get my hands on the, uh, where, where did that sidebar go? No. Um, the Malefic, uh, the Malleus Maleficarum. There we go. Oh, okay. So yeah, kind of go through that. Um, see if I can glean anything new from it. Yeah. Did you want to look at the, the chapter that John Scott was curious about or did, were you, um, just going to browse it? Um, 
I'll start there and then like if there's nothing specific to what I'm I'm looking into then I'll kind of start scanning the rest. I know I've only got like what about an hour hour and a half. Yeah. So yeah, so uh actually reading this the original edition of the Malleus Malficarum at all requires a Latin skill roll. Yeah, is it it's a hard Latin skill roll, right? Um I think so. Uh yeah, hard Latin skill. Yeah. Or that's your your um We'll just do a regular one for reading, uh, for doing like a proper translation since you're actually, it's not like the Google Translate where yeah. you just type it in and, and you're getting the most direct one. You're actually trying to figure out if you got the right meaning for that particular word usage. So that's the one that requires the hard. The The reading of it would just be a regular. Okay. So did I, hmm. I double click that, didn't I? Nice. Um, so yeah, it would be the first one. Okay. I have a hard time switching back and forth between fantasy grounds yeah. and roll 20. I do it too. So it'd be that first one, which I guess would be an extreme success, wouldn't it? So you accidentally translated appropriately. Yeah. This is nothing. Yeah, this one's pretty long and it's not pertinent to the uh, the investigation, but I will share it with you. This is some extracurricular... Uh... Yeah, it gives up maybe something for your character to bounce off of it as far as in, internal monologuing go, but this is uh, part two, chapter nine of the Malleus Malficarum. I'll just let you know what the title is. It's how devils may enter the human body in the head without doing any hurt when they cause such metamorphosis by means of prestidigitation. Uh-oh. So uh, as I described, the Malleus Malficarum is all these prescriptions on how to deal with witches, and they're kind of set up like catechisms. Like you have a question for the chapter, and then the whole body is the answer to that question. Okay. How can you stop the most powerful spell, though, prestidigitation? Although <laughs> I think it, it would be, if you don't desire to read the whole thing, to read the last paragraph because it's, uh, it's kind so of funny. Where is that handout? It's uh, MM Part 2, Chapter 9. MM Part 2, Chapter 9. Well, let's let you peruse that and we'll see what Whitmire's gone off to do after you left Mr. Monroe's house, what are you up to on the streets of Boston today, Mr. Whitmire? Breaking back into Monroe's So what I'd like to do is try and see if I can find that, uh, or not find, but see if I can uh, catch that car following me. Oh, that's right. Yeah. What kind of ideas do you have for tracking it down? Well, I, I or just hoping I that assume it, from last time. Sorry, go ahead, John. What's go ahead, John? Uh, I was saying that um, last time I know that I had gotten the like the, um, not the I don't know the model, but I mean, it'd be pretty easy for me to point out if I see it again. So uh, I'd like to go around to some of the the places that are on my list of investig investigation areas. Not actually go into them, just go around them, see if I can Bait. see this car. Baiting. Like, yeah. Yeah, I like that idea. So um, are you going to go back over to Charleston and sort of cruise around that area? Yeah, I'll, so I'll start. Um, that's where that detective's house was, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'll, I'll start back over there and uh, see if I can see that vehicle anywhere okay yeah you gotta cross the charles river to to get over to that part of town and um 
So you're crossing that bridge. And you have your own vehicle, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, go ahead and give me a spot hidden as you as you come to that bridge, getting ready to go into Charleston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you do see, you're kind of keeping an eye out. I'm not entirely sure if you actually had a rearview mirror at this point, but, you know, your head's on a swivel. And uh, you catch that old foreign car. Pretty sure it's the same one somewhere behind you, a few a few cars down. Okay, so what I'd like to do is, um, do they have, uh, I don't know if they have like street lights or anything at this point. Street lamps? Yeah, yeah. They're not really burning at the moment because it's... The no, street, like... Stop uh, sign. Stop yeah. lights. Oh, gotcha. Or, or, yeah, know, I don't... Traffic lights. I think the major intersections would have a person. Right, right? there'd be a traffic cop out there. So yeah, you have a combination of that, and we'll say just for the sake of uh, not to dwell on it too long, that you you have the same always stop rules in place that we do now. So if there's no light, okay. then you you know you you go whoever has right away. All right, yeah, because my idea is to try and and uh, get to an area where um, you know only pretty much only one car would be able to go at a time, and then. Uh, try and like take a a corner and then cut down an alley and you know kind of back around okay see if i can get back behind them and just to see what they do i don't know i don't know what uh if you'd want like a combination like navigate and uh yeah something else um in this particular case i'll allow you to do uh navigation we, I was going to throw like a drive roll in there, but you're not really doing anything tricky in what you were describing. You're just using the layout of the town to your advantage and your knowledge of it. So navigation will work for me. Very nice. So extreme success on that. So yeah, you do exactly what your goal was. You know, you have many opportunities where you're the only car that's going to go through the intersection and he'll be paused up and uh, you loop down some alleys. And you come back around to where you're actually behind him at a certain point. And once you're behind him, you uh, get that sense by seeing the way the operator's driving his vehicle that they're looking for something, you know, like they'll pull up to a curb and uh, stop for a moment. And you see the shadowy shape of somebody, you know, craning their neck around, although you can't really make out features or details at the the distance I'm placing you at. So what did you want to do next? So... Um, I'm, I, again, I don't know if they have it, but is there anything that, uh, like a license plate or anything that would identify, uh, who a vehicle's owned? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty at sure. This point? All right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's one of, one of the things that I want to try and do is like, if they're sitting, uh, pulled over to a curb for a while, uh, maybe like park, you know, a, a block back or at the end of the block away from them and see if I can. You know, go down the sidewalk and try and get a night uh, a view of that license okay. plate. Yeah, so it's while you're in the process of doing that, you know, you've parked your car momentarily and you're walking along the sidewalk that I'm going to need a luck roll from you. But I haven't rebuilt all that. <laughs> of this I am acutely aware. Oh, damn. Uh, Six. <laughs> it's not quite. I think it's 96 and up is the fumble, right? It's been some luck, John. To <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can make it. So can I... Can I try and push that? Is, uh, <laughs> if I fail, then I know I'm pretty obvious that uh, that they the driver sees me. 
Let me uh, look that up real quick. Trying to trying to take down their license Dude, information. With a luck roll, you might choke on a feather if you fail a push. Yeah. No, I, I probably shouldn't push, though. John, I think we are dooming this party so I'll, I'll with do our luck. I'll do what any good um, what Bostonite would do in this situation, and I will pull out my shot. <laughs> huh, pushing your luck. I, I think I might. I'm, yeah. I shouldn't, though. <laughs> With a 29, you're almost yeah, certainly going gonna. to fail. You sure you want to do <laughs> Yeah. I, I might have to change no, it because you might not be able to uh, actually push a luck roll, but I'll allow it this time because it works in my favor, so. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I don't want to push it. This is, I mean, it's it's way too low. You're learning, John, that when the Game Master says, <laughs> are you sure you want to do this? Yeah, but uh, you, you can, shouldn't. You can counter that logic by saying. Uh, I would like. I would like to just go to the library. <laughs> I would like to flee the situation. Uh, no, so but, what uh, happens when you're yeah. walking up to get the plate? I'll, I'll even allow that you get to where you see the plate. And it's pretty easy, actually. You don't even necessarily have to write it down. We'll say the plate number is like four digits. And they're all numbers at this stage. So it's not difficult to remember. Okay. And you're kind of repeating these four numbers in your head. But then you hear, you know, like a deep voice that sends a... a chill down your spine because you know who it belongs to but it's like jimmy is that you you got a lot of nerve showing your face around here and you turn around and you see frank malone which is the guy the guy's bootleg liquor you and you dumped before you split from boston and he's flanked by a couple oh, no. of bruisers what's your move they got brass knuckles all right <laughs> so yeah i'll uh like he pretty obvious uh from the back they're just like you know shoulders kind of tighten up and slowly turn around and then uh you know try to relax as i as i you know try to i'll i'll try to go into like a fast yeah. talk like hey frank it's uh good to see you i was i was actually uh just back in town you know i was, I was uh you know trying to figure out if you were in the same spot right <laughs> coming to see you <laughs> it took you like a year to do that jimmy Old witty Jimmy, they call well, you. I, I I had to lay low, you know. I was uh, I had to get out of here. I, was, uh, I had a lot of heat on me. You know, I didn't want to bring the police down on you, as I was just looking out for your best interests. Relax, Jimmy. I believe you. But you know, people have been asking about you. Oh yeah, is the uh, they they hear that I'm back in town? Is uh, yeah. You know, who who's been asking? What have they been saying? Friend of mine. He said he wanted to talk to you and. Uh, in circumstances outside of when he initially met you. So I'm going to need to ask a favor of you, and I think you owe me one. Yeah, yeah, Frank, no problem. Whatever you need. Let's just go have a talk with this fellow. Why don't you come with me? Down this suspicious alleyway. <laughs> and get in my can, her car that has some candy. <laughs> was, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll follow him. Not like I have a choice. <laughs> well, you could bolt. Yeah. Cars over Let's there, it's running. Goes. You're gonna go with them? Yeah, is, uh, uh, I'll see where this goes. All right. So, Jimmy, what have you been up to these last few months? Uh, you know, is, uh, just just trying to get back on my feet. You know, I, I spent some time out in uh, in Peru. Is, uh, you know, they, no one's looking for me out there, right? There's uh, no law out there. So, but uh, you know, no, nothing beats being back home, right? Was uh, how about you, Frank? You know, I I I know that uh, I had to dump that uh, 
that last shipment, but you know, it's it's almost like they knew, right? So in a way, it's your fault, Frank. You know, uh, <laughs> how have you been doing? I've been doing good. You know, we're making a little more money than we were last time, despite you know our runners dropping shipments every now and then. But hey, really, it doesn't mean anything. It happens. But uh, yeah, so he makes small talk with you for a little while, and you guys just walk on foot to uh, like a a bakery, basically. And you walk inside, and it's just one of those front businesses that has no patrons. And uh, you have another chill go down your spine when you walk inside there, and you see Sergeant Logan Terry just seated at a table. <laughs> and he has a big, broad grin on his face uh, when he sees your face. All right, Mr. Whitmire, we'll leave you there standing in that bakery to think about Sergeant Logan Terry and his broad smile as you enter. And we'll pop back over to Johan. So, Johan, this effect, whatever it may be, is a pretty insidious sort of effect on you because it doesn't feel like you're being compelled Mm -hmm. from the outside to do something. It's implanting it into your mind in a way. So, it's more like he had a good idea, and but you were the one who made the decision in your mind. You know what? Yeah, that that does sound an awful lot nicer than being in you know Boston. But uh, anyhow. I'll give you a chance to respond. So he's been like kind of intoning with this, you know, verdant green, cerulean blue, that sort of stuff. You know, all these uh, adjective-laden descriptions of this area in Maine called Moosehead Lake. All right. So I'm going to Moosehead Lake, right, based on this, the, the previous role? Well, we'll have to play and find out. But you have it in your head that, yeah, that's actually a better idea. Ah, I, hmm, this Moosehead Lake, I've never heard of it. (laughs) Yes, it's a a nice place for seniors such as yourself to while away the time. Now, I have been rather uh, fatigued and aching as of late. Mr. Mueller, you're going to realize that perhaps you don't want to go to Moosehead Lake. And think, oh, I should head back to whatever it was I was doing or wherever I was going. But all I'm giving you is some time to think about what it is that you're doing. You see, I represent a consortium with certain interests in Boston. And I think it would be better if you did not return. Better for you and for the interests I represent. Yes, all too often these days, I find myself not focusing on me. I am too old to be running around with these youngins, searching for uh, the dark occult artifacts and ghosts in some haunted house. Perhaps you are right. Well, that is good to hear. So, I will wish you a good day. And he stands, giving you a moment to say anything else, if mm. you wish. Oh, no, I'll uh, tip my, my hat at him. And, ah, good day, young man. And he does the same to you. And he just walks down the middle, you know, of the train car towards the door separating two cars. Goes through and then he uh, turns around and looks through the glass, you know. One last look at you before he walks further on out of sight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so actually, by the time you get to Bolton, uh, 
Actually, first I need to know what your intelligence is. Uh, I think it's an 80, 70. Yeah. So you will be afforded a couple of power rolls to try to overcome this before you actually even make it to your connection. Okay. So uh, you just have to succeed at a hard power roll. All right. You ready? Yep. All right. And you got two shots at that. Here's the first one. That's that's a fumble, ain't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, but you don't, yeah. In fact, you uh, we'll go ahead and advance it. You'll actually be on some train that's going more north than the one you were connecting on. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how your second roll goes. <sighs> mm, that one's kind of close. I would really suck, <laughs> though. Yeah, I'm just gonna have to let that one fail. Now, as long as I continue on my route. I'm still abiding by it. Yeah. And he didn't say nothing about sending anything to my comrades, I believe, right? So I would still be working within right, yeah. the, the rules yeah. that he laid yeah. down. Yeah. Um, well, actually, long before that, the the effects will wear off, you know, and then you'll, you'll be your old normal Johann Mueller without that mm. dictation. We were just trying to see how long it was going to stick with you. So it's going to stay with me the whole duration? <laughs> No, no, no. It wears off. The problem is, is you caught a train that went up into New Hampshire. So you're, you're nearing the border before, you know, you're kind of, you got in your head, these beautiful descriptions of green Perhaps rolling hills and be able to buy a house by a lake. <laughs> right. And then you're like, well, I, uh, and then you're more, you know, real fascination with the occult and these, uh, the stuff you've been looking into for the last few years comes in and you're like, how how did such mundane things such as a house at a nice place like Moosehead Lake get me mm-hmm. diverted, right? And it's not like, you're not confused at all once you're out of it, like when it started and when it ended. So who you could attach the blame to, this strange man uh, who said, and you remember everything he said, uh, this consortium he represents with interest in Boston. So it's when you're still on the train and you're going to be stuck there until it stops. That unless you can think of some interesting commotion to create, to mm-hmm. get the train to stop and just start hoofing it wherever you are in uh, northern Massachusetts. Yeah, no, like Johan probably wouldn't wouldn't be able to do that. And I'll probably be heading to northern Massachusetts and then hop it on one back. But I would try to send a uh, a telegram. Okay. At some point, most likely at the station. Yeah, what you're able to do, uh, your train pulls into a station just across the New Hampshire border that, you know, as it gets into the early evening and it stops there for, you know, new arrivals to board and at which point you can get off and send a telegram however you wish. Yeah, I'll send it to uh, Monroe because he seems to be getting all my love letters these days. Okay. (laughs) And it will uh, read... uh, Oh, what was it? A mutual friend uh, um, insisted that I visit Moosehead Lake, and caught up in the fever, I found that I could not resist. Uh, be careful, because this, uh, what is it? Be careful, because his, oh, excitement seems near infectious, <laughs> when that will be the, <laughs> or maybe not excitement, maybe insistence would be the better word. Okay. So, yeah. Um, I'll be back as soon as I <laughs> am able to catch a train. So, uh, uh, luck, well, actually, give me your luck roll. Hmm. We'll see if you, there's one more heading back. The way see. I've been rolling, <laughs> the train will run me over. Right. 
Uh, okay, regular. You son. Well, it's not a fumble, but you're stuck wherever you are until the trains start running again. <clears throat> but they do early in the morning. Uh, yeah, so I'll buy a ticket for um, yeah. Arkham, wherever the university yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, they got one that goes straight from this line back to Arkham. But unfortunately, it won't be until the morning, which puts you in sort of a bind of being out in the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire uh, waiting on a train. So uh, I don't think there's anything else that you're going to be able to do, Monroe, given the time you had before you have to meet with Andrews. So if the two of you have nothing small that you might be able to do before we connect you guys together. Uh, But Dr. Edward Call, before you head off to do that, you know, you mentioned the what you're going to do next. He's like, you know, I, I, uh, I really am quite taken with you guys. And, um, I dare say it would be a huge favor to me if you perhaps allowed me to come uh, have lunch with you. I, I find you, you and Dr. Andrews to be both excellent conversationalists. Well, I, I of course cannot, you know, argue with your assessment of my conversational skills. I'm afraid that I must have to make this a rain check as far as a joint meeting with the Three of us. I'm afraid I can't speak for Mr. Andrew or for Doctor. Okay. Um, as far as whether or not to add additional company, but I will relay his uh, your insistence on meeting at a later date, and perhaps we can set up a, a dinner for later this week. Oh, okay. He seemed very crestfallen. You know, how does Monroe feel about it when he kills puppies? Because <laughs> <laughs> that the 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 whole mood of the man is evident by just like sort of deflation in his stance and whatnot but he's like no i understand i understand i i beg your forgiveness i no 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 i and you know i i can see that that it meant quite a bit to you so let me try and make amends uh let me see that flyer that i gave you for my curioso uh okay and you know i'll (laughs) i'll like pen something on the back that says give a private tour of you know the artifacts in the back and then i'll sign my name so he brightens back up and he's like, oh, this is truly marvelous. I thank you. I thank you. Yes. And um, and while I, I truly am apologetic for my inability to invite you to lunch today, I, I do wish to have lunch with you again soon. Okay. And he's like, that would be very, very great. I look forward to it. Good day, sir. Thank you very much. And he tips his hat and heads a different direction. And you head over to O'Lafferty's where I assume... The good Dr. Andrews is already waiting for you. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, O'Lafferty's is uh, a cafe that specializes in country fare, uh, particularly, you know, Irish country dishes. So you have a lot of what, like potato chowders and things of that nature. I'll probably take whatever the standard fare is, then <clears throat> a cup of clam chowder, something okay. like that. And- New England clam <laughs> chowder. <laughs> Literally. The white or the red? Yeah, it's all it's all pretty tasty. That's why Dr. Andrews picked it and created it, spawned it into existence, in fact. Oh, Aphrodite's. <laughs> but yeah, you see the good doctor there sitting uh, sitting at a table, and you sit down and order your food, and there you guys are. And as soon as I sit down, I'll say, Ah, good doctor, I apologize for my lateness. I was accosted by a man that, that you had spoken to at the order while I was there, and he uh, had insisted that I, I bring some things to you. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, okay, what did he give you? Uh, he gave me some clippings from a, a Supernatural magazine that he he had uh, subscribed to and 
was most insistent that you read, especially the one about the the flying cow. All right. So, like, I'll just, like, roll my eyes at that. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I've seen some crazy stuff, but flying cow, uh-uh. Um, yeah, he's a nice enough fellow, but um, I didn't get a good impression of him. And he seems to take this whole thing as a, a wonderful hobby. Uh, uh, didn't we all until we ran into something a little too real for our yeah innocence? Yes, quite true. I just uh, I wish he would reach that point. Well, sooner rather than later. He seems rather intent on assisting us in any way that we he can. Perhaps if we bring him in, he can have that moment. He reminds me quite a bit of a little brother always wanted to tag along yes yes quite the same although i i I never had the chance of having a little brother i always imagined this is what it would be like well i'll humor him at any rate since we are members of the same order and brand new wouldn't do to uh alienate a fellow member in longer standing than us but that's uh gonna have to come later i have some things to report Okay. He did say that he would be waiting for you to come and meet him between 12 and 6 at the order today, and then he had some things that he had to do, and then he was going to come back, and he would be waiting for you until midnight. You see what I mean? <laughs> yes, yes. No, I, I I got a good assessment of the man as we talked. but Yeah. Unfortunately, he has apparently nothing else to do, because he's retired and... Absolutely not. Fortunately <laughs> for him, apparently, his wife has died, so... He's left with nothing but leisure. Well, I gave him a flyer for my Curioso, and and uh, that should occupy his attention for a short time. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> so, what uh, is it that, that you discovered? That Right, I have uh, made some discovery and had an encounter that makes me, uh, that made me um, a bit sad that our friend, Mr. Whitmire, wasn't with me. Uh, I had an encounter with some unsavory gentlemen on the way over here. So, as I said before, my primary suspicion immediately was on the coroner's report. So I went to meet the coroner, the coroner, and talked to him about his report. And I think I came on a bit strong because he revealed to me that he had been paid to falsify that report, leave things out of that report, to file an incomplete. Um, and when I asked him who had paid him, all he would say was those responsible for prosecuting this case. Because um, I asked him uh, why, or how, like why he would falsify it. He tried to deny it at first, but then then he admitted it. So uh, so I started looking into that. I went to the Hall of Records to discover that. Um, the will that the victim left where he bequeathed everything in a handwritten note, not unlike the napkins on this table here, um, to a man named William Brooks. I don't, I don't know who that is, but some other interesting things that caught my attention were that the initial newspaper report, um, didn't know the, the reporter didn't seem to know that the victim had a living relative in his nephew who would later be accused. Hmm. They had to um, print a correction 
And so that made me wonder, maybe Mr. Uh, Dooley's killers didn't know either. And maybe the reason someone is pushing so hard for the conviction is because now Charlie stands to inherit his uncle's estate. See, what if there's nothing of the occult in nature to do with this? What if that's just misdirection from the killers? And maybe it's as simple as someone being interested in his property. Maybe this uh, William Brooks. I can't say for sure if the handwriting is Mr. Dooley's. Um, at any rate, I also discovered at the the at Civil Records that um, a detective removed uh, some document and put it into evidence. Uh, a letter, she said, that had been in the file that a, a detective Peter Fallon took it as evidence and has not returned it. Hmm. Well, thinking back to the original police report, didn't they arrest the nephew on site? Uh, what I seem to remember that he was, they found him screaming mm -hmm. or yelling of some sort. So I'm wondering if they had originally not intended to arrest him. Right. Yeah. Because they didn't, they couldn't get any words out of him. Yes. Which is another element of curiosity for me, because apparently he signed a confession, but nobody yes. has been able to get a word out of this poor boy, and he was put in the Roxbury Sanitarium to determine if he was even fit for trial. Do any of you guys have the law skill to I don't believe an appreciable so. degree? Sounds like we need to get in touch with a small town lawyer. <laughs> Call Uncle Vinny. I was referring to you. Uh, I have it at a five. I have it at a five. Well, go. I mean, if you want to risk the the fumble, <laughs> you can give it a roll. You, you never know. I'll it's... risk the fumble. Oh, you might be able to luck that. Mm -hmm. I would if I didn't have such crappy luck. Oh, come on. It's only six luck, Justin. That's a quarter of all my luck. All right. Okay. Yeah, nothing, none of the little bits and pieces of the way the law works seems to be relevant in, uh, in your discussion that okay. come to your head. So. But I will um, mention that as I was investigating uh, the symbol that it, that had been mentioned on the wall, I came across uh, a mention of a cult of the starry, what is it, cult of the starry wisdom, I believe. Um, reaching out to Mr. Uh, Merriweather, he sent over uh, our good friend Finn McCracken with a, a package, and apparently... Members of the SEU had run across uh, something to do with this cult as well. And in one of the original police reports, they mentioned breaking up a, a some sort of uh, cult ritual. Unfortunately, in the police report, much of it was redacted. And my only my intuition states that they there were men of, of power and prestige that were part of that cult. Now, that very same eye has shown up here. Which oh, makes me... This eye was at the our crime scene as well? Yes. That's the eye yes. that was painted. Yeah. That is interesting. So I believe that there are members of this cult that are in places of power in order to hide their undertakings. And I'm beginning to suspect that Mr. Dooley was sacrificed uh, for his, uh, his um, curiosity with the area that the SEU had been previously investigating, as well as the Church of the Starry Sky. I see. Or Church of the Starry, or Cult of the Starry Wisdom. Maybe he found something that 
he shouldn't have? Very possibly. Um, we did manage to get a hold of his diary. Um, I won't tell you how, as far as the details, just to not incriminate you. <laughs> yes, just to save you any any uh, moral outrage. Um, but he had been apparently, um, what would the word be, harassed in some ways by teenagers or young men that were hanging around the church. Right. There was the there report been... that he told them to stay away and then a pig's head was found on his porch. Yes, yes, yes. Well, whether there is some involvement by cult members or it's entirely mundane, the fact that seems to meet both of those is that somebody is pushing for the re- the police report redactions in the case you're talking about and for this poor slow child to be um, prosecuted for this murder. Yes. So, um, But either way, I believe that we are beginning to tread into dangerous territory. Right. If, and if these men have the ability to murder at will and frame mm-hmm. innocent bystanders, then... Well, we, we on should. the way here, I was also... I met two men who had been sent to convince me to stop asking questions. Luckily, their uh, wit matched their style of dress and chosen occupation, so I was able to persuade them that my questions were entirely innocent and meant for an article in a medical journal. Very good, very good. But they did threaten, they did leave me with the words, let's not hear your name again. And the message was clear that somebody wants me to stop asking questions. Yes, and as much as I appreciate the recent induction into the Hermetic Order of, once again, my brain went blank, the Silver... Yeah, Silver... Hermetic Order. Twilight. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Hermetic Order of the Silver Twilight. I have a feeling that part of it was as a, uh, a way of keeping us close. Oh, I suppose. I had not thought to be suspicious of the hermetic order. But for now, I'm going to continue my investigations under the guise of of uh, seeking out more information about this cult of the starry wisdom and hope that the guise of my curioso being a laughing stock will allow me to go undetected. I see. So what is, is there anything that stands out, any symbology besides the eye? that stands out about this cult of starry wisdom in case I run across anything. Um, unfortunately the, there's very little about the cult itself that I've managed to uncover. I, I had a, a slight lead on a, a book up in the Miskatonic university that I was going to follow up on. And I had a message from, uh, Dr. Mueller that he was heading up there today. So, with any luck, we'll be able to uncover a little bit more. Uh, the The report from the original breaking up of the of the cult at the church mentioned uh, robes and, and actually, I'll I'll pull out that article and um, do you want to make that available to him as well? Oh yeah, sure. Which one was it? Uh... It was the where is it? The haunting handout police report. Oh, I think he might already have mm-hmm. it. Yeah, okay, I've got. Well, let's uh, fade on you guys for a moment while you're looking over the various bits of paper that you have 
different clues and maybe you got them arranged on the table there over your mm-hmm. around your plates and bowls and and whatnot and we'll jump back over to to Whitmire. So you're in this bakery. Uh, Patrick Malone is kind of prodding you forward, gestures at the empty seat there in front of Logan Terry, and Logan has a cutting board on it with some fresh rolls and and butter, and you know he's working at buttering a piece of bread, and he gestures to you to help yourself if you if you want. Um, yeah, I will. Ever pass up on free food? How are you? As I'll I'll put on an equally big <laughs> grin and uh, help myself to the bread and tell him thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Stuff your cheeks so he doesn't get any more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew who you were, Jimmy Whitmire, the moment I saw you. But you're not in any kind of trouble. I can just use a guy like you, if you're willing to put in the work. Well, I'm always willing to put in the work. So what can I do for you? Well, first I need to know why you're looking into this murder of Mr. Dooley and who really asked you. Because I know it wasn't Detective Fallon. Hmm. So I'll see if I can uh, get away with this or not. Um, as basically, I'm just going to tell him, oh, no, I'm, I'm done with that. Like I took your advice. I'm off. Just like that? All right. Yep. Just like that. Was, uh, you know, you, you made some good points, uh, you know, the other night and that's it. I'm done. So my schedule is all free with, to help you out with whatever you need. Okay. Well, I guess I don't know what type of a role you, or, uh, the skill check you want from that though. Oh no, he'll, he'll actually buy it. That part of it to a degree. He's like, okay, okay. that's fine. But you guys, you, you and those other two fellows, uh, Dr. Andrews and Mr. Monroe, is it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you guys are some part of some organization, SEU. What's that all about? Oh, uh, you know, it's like... Uh, Barrel laughs. It's like seance and stuff, right? Uh, you know, spiritualism. Right? Right. You guys look into ghosts uh, or something? Uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, just, just something to pass the time. So you you never believe some of the stuff that we see, though. Jesus, Joseph and Mary. <laughs> I didn't think you were crazy, too. I mean, I I don't personally believe it, but you know that that Lance guy, you know, he's he's all about that life. So, well, I believe you. Here's what I'm gonna need from you. I need to know what the other members of the Hermetic Order of Silver Twilight are doing, because I don't like people moving without me knowing about it. There's a guy there. Barry Pollard, he's a headmaster at an all-girls school called Girls High School. I didn't just make that up for lack of imagination. <laughs> it is literally the name of a school in Boston in that time. You had to say it right as I'm taking a drink. I almost spit all over the mic. Sometimes truth is more absurd. You said that that was Barry Pollard? Yeah, Pol- Barry Pollard, P-O-L-L-A-R-D. <laughs> and... uh what high school was it again? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Jesus, Joseph, and Mary. It's girls high school. It's an all-girls high school. They called it girls high school. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's the headmaster there. You know, I, I know you uh, you delivered a little moonshine here and there. You know how to get in and out of a place. You know how to get secret information. Maybe you can dig up some dirt on this guy. So I got some leverage. 
I'm not planning on using it, but you never know when you might need leverage. Yeah, I I know exactly what you mean. Uh, I I am always willing to help, uh, you know, our uh, our local police force here. Uh, you know, count me in. Okay. So um, he says, uh, speaking of leverage. Got something on you. Patrick, and you see from over your shoulder, uh, Patrick Malone puts a, he's holding an object in a, like a handkerchief, a white handkerchief, and he sets it on the table. And when he removes the handkerchief, you see that it's a gun. Why don't you pick that gum up, gun up for me, yeah. Mr. Whitmire? <laughs> All right. Uh, Chris, did you want something to do in this scene? How, what would I have to do? I am. So, Finn McCracken was sitting in his foreign hmm. Talbot car, uh, and he happened to hear somebody call out for Jimmy Whitmire, and it drew his attention, right? And you saw Jimmy standing there, and he's escorted off by two men. Now, Finn, quite honestly, is here to be at the investigator's beck and call to drive him where they need to go to run little errands for him, but he's also here at Rupert, Rupert Merriweather's behest to watch over uh, Jimmy Whitmire in particular because he was aware of the altercation that Whitmire had with Francis Malone mm. when he left Boston. So he's kind of worried and he wanted somebody to, to be a guardian angel for Mr. Whitmire. So you've been following him around at nights. The guy apparently doesn't sleep and you're kind of a little tired and irritable about it. But anyhow, there you are. So you saw him escorted away by, by two men. You saw him go into a bakery and um, we can even say that you've been hearing part of this conversation because the bakery, you know, had, uh, you know, two fairly narrow gaps in between the other shops next to it. And you were kind of stalking around and you, you heard this uh, talk drifting through an open window where there were, you know, like a pie cooling mm-hmm. on the, on the, the uh, I can't even think of the word, but cooling at the open window, yeah, right? Um, yeah, on the sill. So, yeah, you hear this. Uh, why don't you pick that up for me, Jimmy? Hmm. Well, can you give me any hints what how far Kraken would McCraken would go for something like this? Like, do I believe that he's uh, given us up or like, um, every nothing you've heard so far has has given you that indication? And I know he's kind of a yeah. a quick talker, I guess. And while you're not loyal to Whitmire exactly, you are loyal to Merriweather, you know, because he kind of scooped you out of uh, poverty back in the day, and you've just been working for him ever since, and he. Pays you handsomely. So how far would McCraken be willing to go? Is like, am I going to be throwing a brick through a window or am I going to shoot a shotgun through this window (laughs) and drive off at high speed before they can? Well, you do have a shotgun. I do. I'll leave it up to you. We'll we'll leave that up to you. Yeah. So I think he'll go over to the car. (laughs) Okay. Turn it on, get it ready to go. Okay. And then uh, get the shotgun most likely from the trunk. Yeah. And uh, just out the passenger side, just not aiming at anyone, just put it through the window. Okay. Kind of aiming up. <laughs> All right. So you're going to get your car, get the shotgun, or you're moving your car up there and kind of just doing a little yeah, drive just, by? I'm just going <laughs> to. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah. Uh, what? Four shots? I'll put four rounds. <laughs> okay. All right. So Whitmire, you're, uh, what are your thoughts as you're looking at this this gun laid on the table? So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when they all I'll check uh, to see the car, I'll just look <laughs> at it, and and then uh, like kind of blank expression, just looking at it, and, and then I'll I'll look up and uh, 
you know, try and, and uh, throw a smile back on my face. And so wh- why would I want to pick that up? Insurance. Give me a spot hidden roll. Oh, jeez. Push it. <laughs> yeah, I guess I could. I mean, it is a pretty high. Yeah, the push. So the failure so. on the push would be your your kind of delaying and and you're casting about the room for some way. And uh, you know this is going to irritate Patrick Malone, so he's probably going to cuff you to urge you to just pick the yeah, gun up. Probably get a get a smack. Yeah. All right. Nice. So yeah, as you uh glance around you just happen to see out that big nice beautiful picture window at the bakery you see that foreign car that you've been trying to Ah. to get a (laughs) a glimpse of and uh you see the driver who i'll say with that hard you even pick it out as finn uh he's leaning out the passenger window or pointing a shotgun out the passenger window uh what do you want to do next so (laughs) I, I was trying to think of something real quick to like exclaim or, uh, but I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll say what in the Lord <laughs> and then, and then try and jump to the side. <laughs> yeah. So they're all like, what? Yeah. And you, you, you try to jump out of the way and, uh, then the shotgun goes off. Let me share his character sheet with you. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I don't know like if, well, I guess it doesn't matter. We'd have to be going by game mechanics when it comes to, McCracken, how much he's able to shoot with that shotgun. I think he just has a double barrel. But... Oh, okay. Yeah, that works too. Unless it's a quad shotgun. We all know <laughs> that when you're hunting evil, you need yeah, quad shotgun. Yeah, you definitely shotgun. do need a quad shotgun. Ah. So you should have Finn McCracken there. You, you can see in his little picture, he's got a pretty long, bulky coat on. Okay, there he is. Where's that little scarf around his neck. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's, he's got my hat. And he's got your hat. Yeah, so he's got a 12-gauge two-barrel Okay. So you can actually roll his shotgun. Oh, I meant to set that up. I think maybe I did. But you can roll the shotgun. I have a shotgun damage macro. If I put it in the bar, I don't think it puts it in there for you, does it? I see shotgun, uh, 12 gauge, 2B, uh, 2B, and then I see two more shotgun. Oh, right. That's back in the day. I would spread it, uh, do it for the, right, the range, figure, right? Yeah. But I'm going to say within uh, 10 yards here, your you're within short range of the building for sure. You're not even rolling to hit. We're just going to see if you get lucky and, and actually wing someone, somebody you know. inside there. Right. Or which way do you want it to go? Are you just firing for the crash and the noise and the scare and not hurt anybody? Yeah, that's what I'm kind of aiming for is more to break this up. And based on what you kind of told me of Monroe as, or not Monroe, but Whitmire as McCracken. Yeah. A chance for him to kind of bolt. Yeah. Okay, so in that case, I just want to roll to make sure we don't fumble. Okay, uh, so the first one? Yep. Ooh, that's close. Not a fumble. Okay, and do you want the second barrel? Yeah, might as oh, well. Do you want the penalty on the first one? Oh, yeah, I guess you do have penalties. Yeah, go I'd ahead and roll say them. that's pretty... Well, you're point blank, so I'm going to say they cancel each other out. It's the same right there. Yeah. Okay, um, and then second one. Second one's a success. All right, yeah, so it has the intended effect with the second shot for sure, where you hit that pitcher window and it shadows shatters so beautifully i mean you hit it in the first one too but that second one just seems to have so much more uh, as that buckshot just chews stuff up in there yeah and i'm figuring not that it's probably really started up yet i don't know about like uh like valentine's day massacre type stuff yeah. so i don't know if that's a thing right but uh it's heating up yeah it's starting to heat up so yeah. I'm, that's what he's kind of figuring hoping or for. hoping for yeah so he's gonna shoot twice and then just book it all right this uh gives you an opportunity 
to bolt Whitmire if you should take it, unless you want to do something else. Yes. No, that's, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. All right, so I'm going to give you a constitution roll with a bonus die for establishing a possible chase here. How'd you do? Nice. Oh, don't forget your bonus die. Ooh, nice. (laughs) That makes it hard, doesn't it? And what uh, is your movement rate? It's in your character sheet near the characteristics, uh, like uh, all mine are NPCs, so they're laid out a little bit different. Mm. Can anybody find it on theirs and help point it out to them? I want to say it's in your combat tab. Eight, Eight is my movement rate. So with getting it uh, a success, your movement rate stays that way. Uh, and the guy, the one of the thugs that was with Patrick is going to try to grab at you and hoof it after you whichever way you go, but he was just too slow. So basically, you get away from the chase before it can ever uh, get off the ground, and you're out into the streets or wherever you want to go. What's your next move? Yeah, I mean, so uh, I know that my car was still running, (laughs) so I'm going to book it that way and jump in and try and take off. Okay. So yeah, that's easy enough. You can get to your car. I should make you do a luck roll to see if you have mechanical problems in your car or something, but we'll we won't do that. I'd do it if someone was hot on your hill for sure. But anyhow, yeah, you get you get to your car and what would Finn do next after that? Uh he'd probably make sure he's not being followed, that there's nothing in hot pursuit, and then probably have to switch cars is yeah. probably what he'd figure he'd do. So he'd go okay, back to Merryweather. Yeah. Yeah, back to Merryweather, get a, a different car or something that is less conspicuous, probably. Okay. Yeah, so he he can head off to do that. You know, Merriweather kept an apartment there, although he often professed to you that he detested Boston Hmm. and only came here for, you know, business and interest. But he did keep a pretty nice apartment, you know, including uh, an actual almost like motor pool area, Hmm. right, where he kept some of his cars because it was a passion of Merriweather's was cars. That's why he has the Talbot that you're currently driving. And there you can go find something else. Yeah, and then he would uh, try to get back on Whitmire's okay. tail eventually. Well, we will pop back over to Andrews and Monroe as they're studied all the relevant papers. <laughs> so, my good doctor, Andrews, what do you think? Where sh- what should our next move be? Um, well, it's clear that if we continue the investigation, we can expect future visits from the gentleman I encountered or worse. <clears throat> so might be smarter to investigate together when we can. And we need to let the other two know that there's a possible danger. Hmm. I'm trying to remember, did Whitmire mention that he was being followed when we were, when he met me? At- I had told you to be careful oh, yeah. because I'd seen this ver- vehicle okay. uh, a few different times. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I'll uh, I'll mention Whitmire that Whitmire is probably already aware that uh, this investigation is a dangerous one that uh, he believes that we're also being followed. But uh, I'll uh, kind of stroke my chin and say, you know, we could really use a close friend that has an in with the Hermetic Order, perhaps paying a little bit of attention to the attention-starved Dr. Riggs would be a good idea. 
or Edward Call. Dr. Yeah. Call. Or <clears throat> Dr. Edward R- Riggs Call. is the anarchist uh, conspiracy theor- theorist. Oh, okay. Columnist. <laughs> that was a lot Call. of ists. Riggs. I'll say he seems most excited to help us in any way, shape, form we, he can, mm-hmm. as long as it pertains to his interests. And perhaps we could bring him in to see what else he knows. Oh, no, you're going to get call killed by sending him out to ask the question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Better him than me. I can't help but picture Mel Gibson writing those articles now. <laughs> like that crazy blue eyes. Well, I, that's what I was trying to go for is his conspiracy theory version of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, conspiracy, yeah. 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 Except now I'm seeing Riggs. From <laughs> right. But <it. laughs> well, to be fair, Gibson is one of those actors who's that. There's always that element mm-hmm. in all of his characters. Yeah. Yeah. So I picture him like naked at a typewriter with like a cigarette hanging out of his mouth <laughs> and his hair all wild. Here but, I am, an eternal bead. <laughs> it fits. It fits <laughs> so much more than I want it to. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interject. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, no, that was a good interjection. Uh, okay. Yeah, we could try it. Maybe he can help. <laughs> we can get this poor unfortunate soul either thrown in a loony bin or murdered. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mr. Monroe, you know he's probably at your curioso right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you'd like, we can go pay him a visit. I, I sent him to my museum to to get a personal tour, and I'm sure that if and we throw in, you know, myself being the person to lead that tour, then you would gain some standing with him. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's do that. All right. Let's check in with Johan here momentarily <laughs> as he's at the uh, train station in the middle of nowhere. So I'm guessing this is nighttime. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it, it's not too long after you were dropped off there, okay. basically. But so you have a train station and, you know, there are... Uh, little vendors and stuff that's set up there during its hours of operation. And it occurs to you watching one guy break down this stand in which he was selling, you know, little pastries and meat pies and that sort of thing, like a medieval village. Hmm. Uh, yeah, he's breaking it down and he's loading it into the back of a, of a, a, a Ford pickup, basically, right? Um, but yeah, I just, uh, you see that. And in fact, there is actually something arresting about the pickup when you're looking at it, like all these weird terms pop to your head when you, you know, you look at the tires, you're like, like they're new, these nice new tires on there. They almost glisten, you know, like with oil, like they look like a black licorice almost. Right. And the paint job is this most delectable, like cherry wood finish. So the SOB infected my (laughs) vernacular with. (laughs) And, uh, but yeah, anyhow, it's, you've never been, um, at least I don't think in reading any of your background that you're not a, a car person precisely, but all of the materials that this vehicle are constructed with, yeah, you just have the, all these adjectives spring to mind. Uh, so <laughs> well, I guess first things first is to probably try to find a place to sleep for the night. Right. Oh, okay. So, um, I guess I'll go up to him if his truck yeah. is the one that seems to be, uh, piquing my interest now. Uh, excuse me, uh, no, I was like, excuse me, sir, and my accent's going, so we'll just have to go with it. Uh, it's all right. I was wondering if you could uh, point me in the direction of an uh, uh, inn or hotel for the night. Uh, yeah, yeah, you want to you wanna head down the road there? 
so you know and he, and he gives yeah. you some uh instructions you know uh but he's actually he says well you know i'm i'm actually heading that way myself i'll give you a ride oh i i would be most thankful for that uh i perhaps could even compensate you uh monetarily Oh, uh, no, that won't be necessary. And the, the town he had uh, given you directions to or said where he was going is called Salisbury, right? Okay. So. Uh, what time would I have to be back here to catch the morning train? So you bought the the first one out, okay. which was scheduled to depart at 7 a.m. So. All right. So I just need to keep that in mind for yeah. travel time. Yeah. He says it, it's only it'll only take us 30 minutes to get there. And, and you arrive shortly uh, in the Salisbury and... He directs you to uh, uh, for the ride. I'll regale him with the uh, um, Amer- with uh, Native burial rituals to America. Okay, Native American burial rituals. Oh, yeah, he's he's definitely interested to uh, to lend an ear. You know, there's sort of a romanti- romanticization of Native Americans that uh, you he know plays into. that they must bury their own. <clears throat> Correct. What's that? <laughs> it's a. It, oh, <laughs> I'm making a pet cemetery joke. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> that they got to bury their own. Because <laughs> he sounds like the uh, groundskeeper. <laughs> Man's heart's stonier. <laughs> uh, yeah, he. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> but yeah, he listens with rapt attention and uh, he points you to a boarding house in Salisbury where the, the lady there will put you up. But you have this same sort of phenomenon, even. Beyond his vehicle, by the time you arrive in Salisbury, where, where things just have this weird quality to you, they almost alert you to the fact that you haven't eaten anything since you got off the train. Mm-hmm. You know, that your, your stomach starts rumbling. Like when you get into the boarding house, all the periodicals that are delivered here are kind of stacked out on the front desk that the proprietress keeps. So you see, you know, the Boston Globe, the uh, Boston Herald, you even see like the New York Times. You see the uh, Arkham Argus, which has the most like delectable paper that they use. It's like a cream-colored paper, and mm. you just kind of want to reach out and, and touch it when you see it, you know? And uh, I would say you even realize that this is kind of like an outside phenomenon, this this strange compulsion to uh, to look at things and want to touch them, you know? They're, like everything just seems vibrant mm. and uh, tasty, for lack of a better word. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but anyhow, yeah, uh, it's easy. It's within your credit rating to afford uh, room and board here until right. the morning. Well, I require a uh, a succulent bed, uh, feathers <laughs> that uh, oh, one could just uh, burrow into and lose themselves in the I I don't know what the heck go. You get the idea. <laughs> right, I'm right. trying to match you here. I can't yeah. do it. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, the proprietress does her best to to ma- match your odd descriptions for what you want in your room. And it, it she succeeds when you get in there. The, the quilt looks like a, a, like a tender fabric that you just pull apart and see all the threads come apart, you know, like a good, well-cooked piece of meat. And uh, your, your pillow looks like a, like a dollop of cream just slowly mm-hmm. melting away there on a hot cup of coffee. Oh, man. I, how much of this room am I going to have to eat? <laughs> That's what that roll was earlier, wasn't it? <laughs> I have to play and find out. But yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll we'll close it there on Johan for the night. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll kind of be like, uh, like not just smoking my pipe, but kind of gnawing on the stem 
Okay. Like yeah. it was some sort of uh, sweet sweet candy or licorice, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Well, that's another thing, too, that the, f- the flavors with, within your tobacco are, are just... You've never been one for like chewing the tobacco, as far as I know, right? You, mm. you always, you're always the smoker type, but just the flavor, you're getting so much more of, of you know, the flavors that are in, are you like an English yeah. shag type? Yeah, so you get, what is that, like burly and all, all that sort of stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, so you get all these different flavors. And I, I know from my day smoking that sometimes smoke would just taste like meats, like mm-hmm. different food that you were craving or something like that. Yeah, so that's like really pumped up. Um, but yeah. If ever I encounter that <laughs> man again. Mm. <laughs> but I think we'll do we'll do one more for your nightly one. So we need one more power roll. Ah, oh, dang it. Way I've been rolling. This ain't good. Son of a. What is going on today? I got all my good rolls with Kraken. Well, it's not a fumble. Okay. So again, you have a couple of strange, nightmarish dreams. Uh, this one, by the time you wake, the... Dream involving the strange little idol that you have, that statuette. You can actually remember it when you wake. And uh, basically, you are, from your perspective in the dream, you're just sort of standing there in a, a flattish-looking terrain, although you see a windmill uh, before a mound or maybe a low hill. It almost looks unnatural, not like in spooky unnatural, but like men put the hill there, like a, like a maybe a burial mound even. Uh, but there's a windmill before it, and both these things are like stark against like a, a slate gray sky in the background. The clouds aren't moving in fast striations or anything like that. It just it makes them stand out in sharp relief. You know, while everything in it is m- mundane, like all the individual details, all of it together kind of fills you with this terrible dread, but at the same time, a strange desire to go to wherever the image in this dream is. Um, you could make a navigation roll for me from <laughs> Johan. Johan and navigation. <laughs> he once got lost in his own library. Quite frequently. <laughs> uh, natural world, navigation. Okay. I was going to say if I get that. Okay. So, yeah, you don't know. I mean, you could say that looks like somewhere in the United States, you would say more west, but your uh, version of American geography is what you've seen, you know, in films or in pictures. And usually they have a tendency to highlight the iconic parts of the United States. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look like any one of those, although it does have that vague sense of being somewhere west. Uh, your second dream is again, you're in the Widner Library and it picks up like right as you realize that this guy's shadow being cast in the wall is all wrong. And, uh, and you're transfixed by the elongated arms and the snouted head, and and it has a and also a, an odd shape. It's it's almost triangular, the shape of the head and the shadow. And um, but anyhow, the man draws your attention back to him, and uh, he says, "Well, before I depart, what exactly were you looking into down here?" Um. Oh man, what was it? Was it the uh... Liberavanus again, or was it the? I think at that time you and him were looking into ritualistic killings and the eye symbol. Mm. Well, uh, ritualistic uh, killings and uh, uh, old eye symbol. I'll mm. uh, kind of sketch it in the air. You know, you know, it's a center eye with um, perhaps a Y 
type uh, shapes arranged in a pyramid. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's like, hmm, that is interesting. Are you doing this on somebody else's behest or just for pure academic interest? Well, yeah, a little bit of column A and column B. Of course, I'd always, I've gone to many, many lengths to procure various uh, histories and symbols and knowledges, sometimes at great cost, but always the academic pursuit must go forward. I understand. Don't you find the weight of these books to be devilishly delicious? And then he starts sort of forking his finger at you, and we'll close the scene yeah. on Johan there. All right. So All these cliffhangers are killing me. <laughs> <laughs> so back at the, uh, um, you guys depart O'Lafferty's Cafe on your way back to the Hermetic Order of the Silver Twilight. Is that correct? I we're going to. Uh, oh no, the uh, uh, right your Lance's curioso. Museum. Yeah, the New England Museum of the Occult. All right. Uh, did you have an idea in your mind of where that's located, or not necessarily where it's located, but what it looks like in your head? Well, I I kind of imagine that like out front it would have that the big, you know, bold gold letters, you know, to try and draw people in. Maybe almost like that old west snake oil salesman type lettering or something, you know. Kind of like that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, and it's you know it, it doesn't get a ton of traffic. Just yeah. because the subject matter, you know, reaches such a small cross-section of the normal population. Although the Hall of Peruvian Artifacts, you know, Incan Artifacts and pre-Incan Artifacts has attracted a lot of attention. Uh, you may even proudly display clippings from, you know, prominent newspapers oh, yeah. that wrote about it. Yeah, know. there'll be clippings, there'll be uh, any kind of photographs or anything yeah. like that. And uh, anyhow, yeah, so you guys are there and... Uh, as it turns out, Dr. Edward Cole is your only patron at the moment, and he's sort of bending over inspecting some statuette that you have on a pedestal by itself, or maybe you, there was something you got specifically that you'd feature more prominently, but I don't think we detailed individual artifacts. Or I think you had yeah. a, you had a, like a sun god. Yeah. Uh, aside from the Peruvian ones, um, the things that, that would be, would be, uh, little occult figurines or pictures or things like that from the New England area and yeah. anything that like really stands out would be yeah, prominently featured. Well, he has the air of a man who may not be entirely interested in what he's looking at, but he's trying to take as much time as possible. Okay. With each each of your displays and he's reading any provided information, any background information on where it was obtained or or history bits that you include on it. That sort of thing. But he's uh is somewhat absorbed, so he doesn't notice your arrival as you guys come in. Yeah, and so when I see him there, I'll, I'll say, good Dr. Call. I must say that, you know, I, I really felt bad about not being able to invite you to our luncheon. So as soon as we were able to, we came over here to meet you. I wanted to make sure that there were no hard feelings and, if possible, give you a, a personalized tour of, of my museum. Oh, this is a surprise. A pleasant one, to be sure. Well, as you know, we have recently joined the order, and and we are we are excited to you know make our mark on the membership. Well, I'm excited to have you. We need uh, people with your intellect and your investigative prowess as part of our order. Uh, thank you, sir. You flatter me. I tell you, I've been bored to death by talk of business, 
from accountants or lawyers, and it's all very dry. Ah, well, some worship gods, others worship the almighty dollar, and that's just the way of the world. So have we chosen a case? Is the game afoot? Uh, we're still beginning to, to look into various things that, that might pique our interest, but there are several things. Well, I dare say that I am at your disposal at any moment. You can, you can telegram me, even at the latest hour, if you desire. Well, I appreciate that a great deal, Dr. Call. It's good to see you again. Do you know anything about Peruvian bloodletting ritual? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a few moments and, you know, give them a tour and try and, you know, speak up the lesser artifacts and, you know, make, make the, the real ones look, you know, as grand as they can. Okay. So when the tour, the tour reaches its conclusion and, uh, to Dr. Call's, uh, credit, while he does ask a lot of odd questions, he, um, also asks pretty pointed questions, you know, you can tell he does have a curious mind, but it, yeah. it's also rather foolish. So, uh, but anyhow, yeah, you, you give him the tour and you're at the end of that. And he's like, well, what are you gentlemen going to do for the rest of the day? I have very few appointments that I must attend to. Well, perhaps you could help me uh, a little bit in, in a newspaper clipping that I came across. And I'll, I'll show him the, the newspaper clipping of the Dooley murder. Um, oh, okay. There are three of them, right? Um, so the first one was the one that mentioned that he was... Uh, killed on all saints eve and you know it was a grisly satanic ritual and i'll say these these kinds of clippings stand out to me um of course with with things being the occult all saints eve is as you well know is uh some sometimes a uh a point of convergence for the satanic rituals and all and many of the occult traditions and so i'm trying to investigate exactly what kind of satanic ritual this is and and perhaps you, you'd be able to help me in that matter. Okay. And, of course, if we can get any pictures or artifacts from, from such a, a thing, then they would make grand, grand exhibits in my museum. Especially with it happening right here in Boston itself. Drawing, drawing the locals into something that's, that's relevant to their own lives. Yeah, so he looks through the, the clippings after you hand them over, and he reads them. And he's like, well, it's quite clear that whoever did this is a depraved individual. Uh, yes, m many of the people that that are part of these cults, which I must tell you, do still exist and people do still worship in them. Many of them are fairly depraved, but they believe that they're doing what they should be doing as far as their beliefs are. Yes, a price seeking power if it's truly a satanic murder. In sometimes, yes, seeking power. Other times, you know, simply doing what they're told. Uh, Dr. Call, if you don't mind, would you take another look at that article and tell me if anything, anything at all, jumps out at you about that particular article as a, as a man of science? Well, let's see here. Well, as a doctor, I sh should indeed find it odd that the man would be torn apart only by his nephew, not unless the nephew were extraordinarily strong, like a circus freak strong. Maybe yes. not even then. Certainly not a 12-year-old or 14-year-old boy. Well, well the, uh, the human body is 
frail, it is also quite resilient in a, in a lot of different ways, I should think. I have heard it said that oftentimes perpetrators of such horrible acts return to the scene of the crime. Have you went to look at uh, Mr. Dooley's house or anything? Have you seen anything odd? No, I'm afraid that I've, I've just recently stumbled across this article and you know, it piqued my interest from an occult standing and it piqued uh, Dr. Andrew's interest as far as the scientific and medical aspects of, of the case. Yes, I, well, I would say if, if it indeed is occult or satanic, there would have to be trappings associated to it, you know. Well, I guess I don't really know what these Satanists do, but pentagrams, symbols? Yes, there usually are some sort of symbols or, or, you know, in my experience, they have certain other iconography that, that's also in, involved, you know, chalices and rods and swords and, and things of those natures. I do also notice that the officer, Nathan Noya, originally described it like a bear attack, which has somewhat of a different connotation than a satanic ritual, as it mentions later in the same article. Very true, very true. Yes, that's especially interesting when you consider that when we looked deeper and found the coroner's report, there was no evidence of tools being used in the dismemberment. And I haven't personally seen many cases of bear attacks, but uh, you know their claws are quite destructive. Well, it is quite a puzzle. I, you know, I can't point you in any particular direction uh, other than what I think would be the obvious. You know, to to see the crime scene itself, to speak to the nephew if you could. Um, I, I'm at your disposal for any of that if you if you should uh, want me to to make or work with my contacts at the Roxbury Sanatorium. I know a few psychoanalysts there that I've worked with in my personal practice in the past. That would actually be most welcome. As I said, we're we're only beginning to burgeon on the the details of this case, and any help that you may provide us would be most welcome. If you perhaps know any contacts at the Hermetic Order that may be able to get us access to I don't know, perhaps some of the artifacts or crime scene pho- photographs or any of those kinds of things. They would go far in helping us in what we can glean from the information. Well, one of... Uh, here, we'll, I'll write down the name of the doctor I know at Roxbury, which was uh, Lewis Powell, Dr. Lewis Powell. He's a psychoanalyst that works there. And he says, well, you know, I, I'm... Fairly new at the Hermetic Order of the Silver Twilight as well, but uh, th- that lawyer, uh, James Clark, is, is quite a, a good fellow, and it seems to me that a lawyer would be helpful in untangling some of this. Yes, we'll definitely need to speak with him. I assume this poor boy probably just has a public defender to rely on. Yes, uh, unfortunately, and uh, I mean to find out who that is. But I haven't gotten around to that yet. But perhaps Mr. Clark will have contacts. Yeah, he may even know about the case in question. He does seem well apprised of... He's a criminal defense lawyer, as I understand it. Works for Christian and Antonello Mm. law firm. Uh, What was his first name? James. Yeah. Clark. Uh, The other thing, from what I understand of, of the law, here it says where the nephew was charged. It's possible that the plea 
was entered by the judge on his behalf. Right. But I... What were the, the what were the particulars? I wouldn't understand. Do you understand the evidence that was brought against him? The article doesn't mention. No, I don't. And I know that uh, they say he signed a confession, which I find to be highly unlikely since no one... Why, why no guilty plea if a confession were signed? That's a good point. Yes, I would think by the looks of this, if he was unable or unwilling to enter his plea, so the judge entered not guilty on his behalf, which I understand is standard if if somebody is uh, incompetent in some way, and they sent him off to Roxbury Sanitarium to be evaluated. So those things can take a lot longer than uh, the judge thinks if he hopes to make that September 3rd trial date. My good man, you seem to have stumbled on something. I was in this purely for academic research, and Dr. Andrews, out of pure curiosity for the the specifics, but you may seem to have stumbled on the fact that by investigating this, we may be able to get an innocent young man off of uh, a crime that he did not commit. Have I? Oh, that's quite right. That would be to the good, I should think. Yes. You're not only a scholar, but a philanthropist as well. I, I well, commend you. Oh, no, no, I... I'm not. I'm not all those things. <laughs> oh, don't be modest, sir. I mean, just in a few moments, you've uncovered something that we we ourselves had not even considered. Well, I, I'm sure it would have come to you in time. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate the the vote of confidence. So, uh, what's next then? Well, let's see here. Um, I I have an appointment uh, to meet Doctor Muller up in uh, Arkham Asylum, or not Arkham Asylum. Arkham University, <laughs> basically an asylum. He's in there with Joker and yeah. <laughs> everybody else. <Yeah. laughs> um, but perhaps you could follow up on on some of these leads, and um, and when I get back, should be no more than a day or so. We could uh, meet and and discuss some of the things that you found, and I can discuss some of the things I found about the occult side of of this. I will do that. I was planning to head home. For a short while. Uh, but I can never stand to be there too long. The ghost of my recently deceased wife haunts the place. I, I don't mean literally, of course. <laughs> well, we, but we, her, we all perceive the, the world as, as it comes to us. Yes, yeah, so her spirit is in the little knickknacks she filled our home uh, with. Uh, yes. I've yes. been meaning to thin them out a bit, but that's quite a task. But I think I'll, I should head over to the lodge hall uh, right away and, and see maybe if Mr. Clark is there. Sounds like a, a brilliant idea, sir. Um, Mr. Andrews, would you like to accompany us? We could have a, a brief conversation. Yes. Since I, I don't believe I can find a, a train to, to reach Arkham this evening, uh, I'll be leaving first thing in the morning. All right, so we'll fade with you guys, and uh, we'll check in real quick with Whitmire, see where he was going to speed away to, what his next move was. Yeah, so what was your next move after you uh, fled the the bakery in your car so what i'd like to do is uh i'd like to try and get um messages out to the other three members that are investigating this okay with a warning uh to about uh logan terry and i'm not gonna go into a ton of detail on it um in that message just that uh you know, be careful of him, and uh, you know he's not not to be trusted. And then, if I'm able to, 
I'd like to uh, try and and uh, use some some contacts to um, like set up uh, travel arrangements. Like I'm going to be traveling out of the the uh, city and possibly country again. Oh, okay. Maybe that will throw them off my trail. So make it look like you're heading a direction that you're not actually heading. So let's. Uh, I yeah. I kept meaning to change your crafty like job skill basically your occupation skill to fast talk because i didn't realize it was your best one so uh we can kind of use this whole ruse we can use that school that skill as a stand-in for this whole ruse of setting up uh, a departure elsewhere or you could alternatively just spend money and actually you know purchase you know try to leave some paper trail that puts you out there and just not board anything um i I'm just trying to think of how easy that would be to to find out for them. Um, how much would it cost? Uh, you'd probably to do have that. to spend. You probably have to deduct at least thirty dollars from your cash pool. Okay. So what I'll do is is this uh, closest bus station, right? Uh, and then, um, like get a get a ticket out of town. Right. Um, and then I'll also put out uh, through more uh, underground or criminal contact uh, for somebody to pick me up when I get there to take me to another place. Okay. Right. As uh, someone trustworthy enough to say that they picked somebody up. Right. Even though they didn't. Yeah. Well, well uh, how does that yeah, sound? Yeah, it sounds good. We'll just change the bus station or the bus to a train since they don't quite have yeah, the buses running at this time. And then uh, for your contact role, we'll just use your fast talk skill to establish one to wherever the train would end to set that up. You could have it to go somewhere okay. up north towards New York or whatever, bypass yeah, there. Yeah, so I figure, uh, yeah, as I figure like New York and then uh find somebody that that can say that they picked me up in New York and took me like uh you know up into you know Rhode Island or something. Yeah, right? so with you having was, uh heading out towards Canada or something. With you having established a small crew there in New York, uh you can actually make that fast talk with a bonus roll and it only needs a regular success. Okay. How do I do the oh it automatically does the bonus. Just roll it once option. and then you hit the bonus penalty. So forty nine versus seventy five. All right, so you're putting that all into motion, which which takes a few hours, and you've sent a telegram off to uh, warn Doctor Andrews and Mister Monroe about Logan Terry's secret intentions. And that telegram may arrive in a timely manner, but that's dependent on Mister Monroe's luck roll. Oh, dear God. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't spend the, that six. All right, here we go. Crossing fingers. Oh, nope. not quite. So yeah, as as the <coughs> the two doctors and the and Mister Monroe depart the Curioso, they narrowly miss the incoming uh, telegram from <laughs> Mister Whitmire. Meanwhile, Finn was trying to track you down again, Mister Whitmire. So what I'm going to need from Finn is he goes and he grabs that new car and now you're trying to figure out what it is that 
Mr. Whitmire would do next. So let's get a psychology roll from you. And you have to beat the uh, regular success that Mr. Whitmire got with his fast talk. All right, here we go. That son of a bitch. <laughs> Just get, uh. So yeah, uh, extreme success. That's pretty impressive. So yeah, you know, you... Um, <laughs> It's his job, basically, right? right? So, Well, you're used to this. Your whole experience, since you can't talk, is usually you just have time to sit there and think because nobody's waiting for you to key in with something to say, <laughs> nor can you edge into a conversation that way, as you just experienced recently with Mr. Monroe mm-hmm. at his apartments <laughs> while you were just trying to drop off some documents. <laughs> and it's only by luck that Whitmire showed up there, which you were able to get on his tail again. But in any case, you just sort of sit there after, like in the car, the new car that you're going to go drive around. And what would you, I do? Right, yeah. yeah. And uh, you <laughs> exactly come up with uh, Mr. Whitmire's plan. So Yeah, I think I got too much invested here. <laughs> so I'm going to throw a lead out there that is false Yeah, and keep working. <laughs> so if you, uh, you want to, I don't know what uh, you playing Finn will do at this point since you're not entirely sure if, if you were made with your... Uh, mm-hmm your distraction to allow him to, to escape. So are you just going to stay on his uh, tail? <laughs> yeah, whether whether I'm made or not, I don't think really matters. I yeah. was just there to keep an eye on Be Whitmire. Be angel? Yeah, perhaps changing the car will throw him off if I was made. If not, just stick more to the shadows. All right, so uh, with Whitmire making the arrangements, um, we will close on the scene of him paying for that train ticket to New York, and uh, he's walking away out of the train station to get back into his car. And this time, a few cars down as he pulls into traffic, you see another car. This one, much easier to blend into Boston traffic. It's just the current, you know, Model A Ford, I believe. And uh, behind the wheel is Finn McCracken, the guardian angel. Mr. James Whitmire. <laughs> and that's where we'll close the session uh, for today. Thanks for playing, guys. Hell yeah. Thank you. Thanks, thank you. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, Travis. Uh, just, I don't know if we talked about it while you were here, John, but we're taking our holiday break for the next couple of weeks. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it'll be January 9th. This has been a Death Watch production. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.